going to talk just for a few minutes uh, out of this and show you a, a, a correlation of how the Old Testament, and I know that in case you didn't get that, it really shouldn't be called the Old Testament. The Bible is the whole book. Amen. But we call it that to understand where to go. But a lot of times when you mention Old Testament, how many know when you hear the word old? That just throws it off already. Poor old people. Today, the generation of old people are forgotten. Amen. You just say old and it just automatically throws a loop in the whole thing because people get older. Me and my father-in-law were talking about this yesterday. He said one of the things he really admires about our country is how our government is set up to help even the older people if they need a job. We were, we were somewhere, I don't even remember where we were, Walmart or something, or Chick-fil-A or someplace, and there was an older lady, probably in her 70s or 80s, working there. And I told him, I always feel bad when I see someone that old working at a place, especially if it's because they have to work. If they're there because they're a widow or whatever and they're just wanting to kill time, that's, that's understandable and that pe- a lot of people do that. But it's especially sad for me if I see someone that old that there because they have to work to pay their bills. But regardless, he said, it's a blessing because our nation is set up to give, it's called an equal opportunity employer, that we would give work to someone that old, to someone that may not really be as qualified as a younger person, and he said he really admired that. But the old people sometimes, when you say old, it just kind of means antiquated. It just kind of means not necessary, not new. So I know the Old Testament can really not be the right way to say it. Amen. It kind of throws it off. But I want you to understand tonight, and and I'm going to keep beating this horse, amen, how important it is to understand Genesis all the way to Revelations and to fall in love with the Old Testament. And to fall in love with the words. Let me, t- let me give you a little understanding of how important the Old Testament is. If you don't have the Old Testament, you don't have a New Testament. If you don't have the scriptures in the Old Testament, there's nothing for the New Testament to verify. We can't believe in Jesus Christ of the New Testament without the Old Testament saying he was going to come. You take away that Old Testament, we say, where'd Jesus come from? How do we know he's the Savior? Because all those scriptures in the Old Testament says he is. And so you cannot have one without the other. And we understand it's the whole inspired. 2 Timothy 3 says all the words are scripture given. All the words are inspired by God. Amen. And so we have to understand that in the New Testament, if you remove, think about this. If you remove the Old Testament from the New Testament, you don't have much New Testament left. Jesus was always quoting the Old Testament. The first message preached, and we'll see that in just a second, the first message preached in the New Testament was by Peter of the new church. After he had, Jesus has ascended into heaven, they went into the upper room and got filled with the Holy Spirit, and Peter came out and the Bible says he spoke with a boldness, and as he began to preach, if you look at that message he preached, it was an Old Testament message. The first martyr, Stephen, when he was, before he died uh, a martyr's death, he preached the Old Testament. All he did was talk about the forefathers and talk about what the Old Testament said. Paul mentioned all the time the Old Testament. And so without the the Old Testament, we have no New Testament. So I want you to understand that that we we almost well, I want you to look at the at, and I'm sorry for lack of a better word. Amen. The Old Testament. I want you to look at it as a treasure box. 
a box full of treasures. Amen. You go digging in there and everything in there is a treasure. But you go digging in there and or look at it like puzzle pieces. And it's helping you figure out and see the whole big picture. And so Joel chapter 2, if you'll look there, verse 28 is a verse that most people have heard. But I really want us to understand that this is an Old Testament prophecy that I believe we're seeing today and God wants us to see today. And it says in verse 28, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. And on my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Amen. He mentions everybody there, the young, the old, the man, the woman. He wants to pour his spirit out on us. If you want to make it for God and not just go, oh, I got to go to church, be spirit filled. Stay full of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Bible in the New Testament says, don't get drunk on wine, get drunk on the Holy Spirit. So we need to be filled up with the Holy Spirit, filled up with the power of God. When you begin to get dry is when you need to run to the altar and say, God, refill me again, please. Lord, let the water, let the oil, let the, let the freshness of God, let the rain come on me again. I'm not going to allow myself to get dry. Amen. And God says in the last days, which we're in, we know that he's going to pour his spirit out on all flesh. And I want him to pour his spirit out on us tonight. Amen. Matthew 12, 35 says a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. Amen. So if you are full of the Holy Spirit, good things are going to come out of you. It says an evil man out of the evil treasures brings forth evil things. So if we want good to come out, we got to put good in. If we want blessings to be in our life, we've got to fill our life with blessings. We've got to let the Spirit of God really, really, really touch us. Now I want you to go to the book of Acts real quick. And I want to look at Acts chapter 2. And I want you to see how the Old Testament is revealed in the New Testament. And remember that the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. As the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. And I want to show you what the Bible says here. In Acts chapter 2, say amen and you're there. In verse 14, Peter comes out of the upper room as I got ahead of myself there talking about it. It says, standing up, verse 14, with the eleven, raises his voice and says, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose. Since it is only the third hour of the day. And he right here shows you why the New Testament and the Old Testament go hand in hand. And you can't have one without the other. He says, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. His first sermon, the first message of the New Testament church immediately quotes the Old Testament. Y'all seeing that? Immediately, he says, listen, I'm going to make a statement right here. This is a new thing God's doing. This is a new spirit, a new presence, a new direction. We're going, but we're not going the new direction without the old power and the old word. We're not leaving that behind. Today, it seems like the generation wants to leave the old behind. 
You can't have the new without the old. Amen? You have to have both, and you have to recognize that, and you have to understand that. And he says, listen, I'm going to make a statement here that you understand that what God is doing now is what was prophesied back then. And for us to know that this is what God was talking about now, we have to know it was spoken back then. And so there's not an accident. I want you to understand there's no accident in that Joel, or Peter, sorry, immediately under the direction of the Holy Spirit mentions the book of Joel. And mentions the Old Testament. Because we know that Jesus, this Savior, this Messiah we've been talking about, came to fulfill everything that the law had talked about that he would be. Amen? And so it does not remove or take away those things in the Old Testament. All it does is make them better. It just makes them better. So he says, this is that that Joel was talking about, verse 17, and he quotes word for word the verse we just read. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. And then he goes on to quote a few more scriptures there that are exactly Joel 2, 28 through 31. He doesn't change the words. He preaches that same word in the New Testament church. And watch, this was, this was th- a thousand years later. And now 2,000 years later, I'm reading the same scriptures to you that Joel talked about, that Peter talked about. And that same spirit that was poured out for Joel will be poured out for Peter is going to be poured out on us. Amen. And it's the same spirit. It's the same God. It's the same power. But how many know the closer we get to the return of Jesus, the stronger that power is going to be. Amen. We can have more now than they ever had before, but we got to expect it and we got to want it and we got to desire it like water. We got to say, God, I'm going to push through into your presence. I'm going to expect your spirit to move. I'm going to be a mover. I'm going to be a shaker. I'm going to be an evangelist. I'm not going to sit back and just let time go by. I'm going to let God use my life for his glory. Amen. I'm going to stir up my neighborhood. I'm going to stir up my my school. I'm going to stir up my family. I'm going to stir up myself. Amen. Elbow somebody next to you and say, wake up and stir up something for God. Amen. Come on, wake up and stir up something for God. Stir it up. Amen. Let's get excited about being the last church generation that will see his spirit poured out. Amen. Quickly, go to Psalms chapter 51. Psalms 51. I want to read something. This, is, uh, this cannot be said enough. We need to have a heart of God. If we want God's spirit to be poured out on us, we have to keep our hearts like a sponge. And, and, and understand that when something gets hard, it does not absorb. You let your heart get hard, you will no longer absorb the Spirit of God. It's a dangerous place to allow your heart, and I mean spiritual heart, to get hard. Where that water just hits it and rubs right off. We have to keep our hearts in a condition that they're absorbent. We have to keep our hearts in a condition that they're soft and pliable and moldable and that they just soak, how many of those sponges soak up? 
And we got to say, oh God, keep filling me up. Keep filling me up. Keep filling me up. And the way that God keeps pouring his spirit out where it will stick, because he's going to pour his spirit out. We don't, I don't want to miss out on it. He's going to pour his spirit out. We need to be in the position to receive what he's going to pour out. But if my heart is hard, it's not going to hit me. It's going to bounce off me. I want to be a sponge. And so there's an attitude we have to have that David had. And I want you to look at verse 1. And there's certain, there's certain scriptures, church, that we should read over and over again. I was telling the men yesterday at discipleship, Joshua chapter 1 is an awesome chapter and an cha- awesome uh, set of verses to read. How to meditate on the Lord, word of God and how to stay not left or right but straight. And how to believe we can take the land. And there's just certain verses that you need to get written down and you need to go there. And you need to quote those things. And you need to speak them to the Lord. And it says in verse 1, Have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy on me, O God. How many need mercy tonight? We all need mercy. And when we get to a place where we don't feel like we need mercy anymore, then we're in trouble. we got to understand we need the mercy of God. He, he is a big God. He is a powerful God. He is an all-powerful God, an all-omnipotent, all-knowing God. And our heart says, Lord, I want to keep a heart of, of tenderness for you. And he says, according to your loving kindness. Verse 1, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin." For I acknowledge my transgressions. My sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned. I mean, no, that's a good attitude. And done this evil in your sight. You, we, we know what David did when he was saying this prayer. A whole lot of bad stuff. But you put what you've done. You put what you thought. And, and don't try to say, well, I've never been an adulterer. I've never killed nobody. I've never done this and never done that. That's the wrong attitude to have. Because the Bible says in Isaiah 64, our righteousness is like filthy rags. So don't try to compare and say, I'm not like David. The Bible says we're all sinners. We're all wicked. We all need a savior. And we all need to stay on our knees and stay humble, looking for the mercy of God and saying, God, please have mercy on me. And whatever your sin is, maybe it's anger, maybe it's unforgiveness, whatever it is that you throw in there, he says, my sin is always before me. See, the thing is tonight, you know what you do. I know what I do. No matter what anybody else knows, you need to understand that if you're going to have the spirit of God poured out on you, you got to be real with God. And you got to stay humble before God. And you got to stay repentant before God because that's the heart of God. Why did David, who was so wicked at that time in his life, get the mercy of God? Why? Why? Because he was real, because he was open, because he was broken, and because he was repentant. Amen. It doesn't mean God said, hey, I don't I don't mind your sin. We know that's not true. Go read the stories. He lost his baby because of it. Your sin is going to have consequences. 
But thank God we can come to the Lord and say, God, I've sinned. And he's looking for a heart of repentance and he'll immediately pour his spirit out on you again. If you just come with an open heart and an open mind and an open spirit and say, God, I've failed you, but I need you tonight. I need your presence. I need your mercy. I need your love. And he just says, take it. He just says, take it. I want to give it to you. But he can't pour it out until we soften our hearts. Until we stay open, until we stay repentive. He wants to, don't you think he wants to pour his spirit out? Every day, every service, every time. From my sin is before me, he says, verse 4, and against you only have I sinned and done this evil, verse 4, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Keep going with me. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. That's a news flash for you. That means you're born in sin. And in sin, my mother conceived me. You need to write that verse down and remember that verse when you're trying to witness to somebody and get them to understand we are born into sin. In my mother's womb, I was conceived in sin, he says here. And he says, behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden part, you will make me known to wisdom. Amen? Y'all follow me? You desire truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden part, you will make me known, make, sorry, make me to know wisdom. See, this is the place, church, where it's not how you act at church. It's not how you act in the prayer room. It's not how you act around other people. It's who you are by yourself and God. That's where God wants us to be. God wants us to be in a relationship and in a place tonight, church, where we are open and, 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 and naked before him, so to speak, where we're not hiding anything, where we're just saying, God, you know the real me. And be able to say, God, I'm clean before you. I'm, I'm right before you. And it's, it's not that I pray at church because I know I'm supposed to and the pastor or the leaders would see me. I pray because I need to pray. I pray because I need to be in the presence of God. I pray because I need forgiveness. I pray because I need a relationship with Jesus. It publicly needs to be done. People need to see you do those things because we have to have examples to follow. But we need to pray on our own. Amen. And you need to have the time when you're in the car and you're in the bedroom and you're wherever at work and you're by yourself and you're saying, God, let's talk, me and you. Let's get, let's get this together. Tell me what I need to change, Father. What is it in my life that needs to be different? Where am I failing you? Not here at church. It's great when we respond to the altar call here. But do you respond to the altar call of God at home? Do you respond to the altar call of God in the car as you're driving and the spirit of conviction is working on you to deal with an attitude, to deal with a situation, to deal with the way you dealt with somebody, to deal with a bill, to deal with something that's been hidden from something. And you say, God, I'm going to deal with that right now because I'm not trying to please other people. I'm trying to please you. That's the heart that David had. And I'm telling you, I'm helping you get to a place where God's spirit will pour out on you. In the hidden part, verse 7, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. 
Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. And here's the key. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Can you read that verse too much? Can you be too clean? You can't, do, you can't get too clean or, or ask God to forgive you too much. There's something that just says, God, I want to be cleaner. I was kind of talking about this to the missionary today. That we're in a generation where we're trying to find out what we can get away with and still be saved. We're trying to get as close to the grace line as we can and be saved. That's not the heart of God. The heart of God is I want to be as far away from the things of this world and sin and things that don't please you as I possibly can. I want to stay as clean as I can. And God, if I'm clean, make me cleaner. If I'm good, here's some good Texans, make me gooder. Amen. If I'm right, make me righter. Amen. We can get away with anything in Texas, right, y'all? How many understand what I'm saying? Don't be satisfied with just being a Christian. Don't be satisfied with just being saved. God, I want to get as close to you as I possibly can. I want the presence of God in my life as much as I can have it. I want to make as much an impact on others as I can. I want to be different from this world. I want to be set apart. I want the presence of God to shine. I want the rain to fall on me when it's dry everywhere else. That comes from a heart. It says, God, teach me, show me, create in me. How many know create means creative? That's right. Creative, meaning do it again and do it new. Yes. Yes. Father, I, I prayed this the other day, but I'm praying it again because I want again today to die to my flesh. Don't live off what you prayed yesterday. Pray today. Yes. Well, I prayed last week. That's good for that day. Pray every day. Right. Say, God created me a clean heart every day. Lord, renew a, look at this, renew. How many know renew means do again? Make new. A steadfast spirit within me. This is what the church needs today is a steadfast, renewed spirit within them. Amen. Leftovers are okay sometimes. But God does not want us to eat leftovers every day. He wants to give us fresh rain. He wants to give us a fresh touch from God. He wants us to walk and live in his presence. Amen. And that comes from my attitude with the Lord. Do not, verse 11, cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. If you are here tonight and you are not full of joy, you can be full again. If you're down, if you're depressed, if you're stricken, if you're bound, if you're angry, if you're frustrated, that does not have to state anymore. You can come to the altar of God and you can have your joy renewed tonight. The joy of my salvation. And uphold me in your generous spirit. Let's go back to Joel chapter 2 and I'll end there tonight. Joel chapter 2. I want to read a verse that I sent out earlier sometime this week. That's just a key verse. Joel chapter 2.
Say amen when you're there. My Bible says a call to repentance. Repentance. We need to repent. Our nation needs to repent. We need to repent. We need to walk in repentance. We need to be sorry. We need to be broken and humble before the Lord. Amen? We need to stay on our knees with God. He says, therefore, says the Lord in verse 12 of Joel 2, turn to me with a little bit of your heart. What does it say? All of your heart. God does not want 80%. We as people are satisfied with 80. God doesn't like 80. God wants all. You have anything else in your life, in your heart, but God. If you have 90% God and 10% something else, the Bible says I'm a jealous God. I'm not okay with that. He wants everything. Everything. Married people. Would you be okay if your spouse gave you 90% of his love? 90% of her love? Would you be okay if they're with you 90% of the time? And 10% with somebody else? Come on. God's a jealous God. He doesn't want 90. He doesn't want 80. He doesn't even want 99. He wants 100. He says, I want all your heart. Turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. And watch this. Rend or give your heart. And not your garments. Okay? Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for He's graceful and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and He relents from doing harm. I want you to know tonight that it's a great thing that we do right. It's a great thing that we come to church. It's a great thing that we pay our tithes. It's a great thing that we pray. It's a great thing that we, that we try to get along with each other. But a lot of times those things can be rendering your garments. Meaning doing what I'm supposed to do. Meaning going through the motions. And there's a time for that because certain times we just have to do it to get by. But if you're staying in that position, if you're always doing it because you're supposed to do it, that's not rendering your heart. That's rendering your garments. That's going through the motions. And it's okay to have a service like that. It's okay to show up sometimes and just have to fight through. But don't allow yourself to get in a position where that becomes over and over again. Where that becomes a habit. And where that becomes where you are just here and you're just like Jesus said. You're just like a a, a grave. An open grave. Your bones. You're dead. There's no life in you. Why is it quiet in here? Come on, I'm 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 not telling anybody anybody's like that. I'm telling you not to get like that. Don't just come and go through the motions. Don't just come and praise because I'm supposed to praise. Praise him because you want to praise him. Praise him because he's good. Praise him because he's awesome. Praise him because he's worthy. Love him because he's worthy. Pay your tithes because you love him. Pray because you want to spend time with him. Do these things because your heart is God's, not your garments. Amen. Don't allow yourself to become the people that Jesus rebuked in the New Testament over and over again. You all worship me in public. Y'all worship me with people looking at you. Y'all pray out loud when people are listening to you. But inside, you're dirty. 
clean the inside up first. And then that stuff will come out on the outside. Amen. This is the kind of message that keep you clean. Keep you right. Keep you holy. And keep the service full of the presence of God. Because we're saying, I'm doing my part, Lord. Lord, I render my heart to you, not my garments. Musicians, you can come tonight. Peter said in that same chapter, as he's preaching this awesome message, out of the Old Testament. And the Bible says, listen, this is what happens when good preaching is happening. People want to get saved. When, when true preaching is happening, people want to get saved. Because the truth of the gospel touches the heart. Amen? Amen? Now listen, it doesn't matter how many people we have or don't have. It doesn't matter how many people come in and how many people go out. You worry about you. I worry about me. We worry about us. And God builds his church. You can't focus on other people. It's got to be about you and God. And we will not stop preaching the gospel. Amen. We will not stop preaching the truth. Amen. And we will know that we're doing what we're supposed to do. And God's hand is with us. Amen. His presence will move. You know what? Sometimes we can be so, doing so good that we forget what we have. Let me tell you that. We can think, man, we're so and so. And by the way, there's a lot of people in our church right now that are out on jobs. More than I've ever seen at once. We have people out, so don't think they're gone. If you wonder if they're gone, call them. We've got people working. People are out. Several. But when we look around sometimes, I want to say something to, to us tonight. Some people have thought, or think maybe, that, we've, that we've, our attendance has gone down. Listen, people do miss. But you've got to realize something. We expanded this sanctuary and doubled our, our chairs. It seems smaller in here. That's, gonna, that's obvious. That's going to happen. God wants us to focus on that. Don't focus on who's here and who's not. Focus on people who are not saved and need Jesus tonight. Amen? And focus on your own walk with the Lord. Don't look around and say, well, we're, we're so-and-so. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. We're going to have church. You're here. We're going to have church. Amen. Worry about yourself and worry about the lost people. The Holy Spirit's got to work on the other people. But listen, I'm, I'm getting somewhere with this. We're here and we don't realize sometimes what we have. The truth. We're not perfect. We're not the best. But the truth is preached here. That missionary came in today and he was, we, we might think sometimes, man, we had an off day today. or We've had some off weeks. Or, you know, the presence hasn't been moving like it. We get that way because you can get used to the presence of God so strong. You can be so used to it, you get uh, immune to it, and you don't realize it's there. Go somewhere else and you'll find out the presence of God is in this place. Go to some other places. Go out and visit some places. See what the truth is being preached out there. See if the presence of God is moving. See if there's an altar call. See if people are getting saved. Now, here's why I say this. I don't say it to boast. I said to tell you God's hands on our church. He's never lifted his hand. We've never stopped doing what we're doing. God's here. And he's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. That missionary told me, he said, I've been here for three weeks. He said, today was the first time anybody's gotten saved in three weeks of church services I've gone to. Sad. Sad. Three weeks. In Texas. And no one's gotten saved. 
And then he goes, and you're the first person I've seen do an altar call. Well, duh. How are they going to get saved if you don't do an altar call? A little hard. So I want you to understand, sometimes we can be so caught up in going through the motions that we forget what we have. That's the truth. Preaching the truth, loving people, and, and, and contending for the Spirit of God. I can't make the Spirit come down, but I know He wants to. All I can do is prepare myself and say, God, fill me up. When you begin to look around or, or say this, maybe it ain't happened like I want it to, or I didn't feel it over. When you begin to do that, that's not God's will. You focus on your relationship with God and you say, God, fill me up. I came expecting tonight, Lord. Creating, it didn't say creating the other people around me a clean heart, God. He didn't say that. He didn't say, render other people's garments to me. He said, render your heart, not your garments. Revival is personal. It's personal. You can have revival all by yourself if your attitude's right, if your heart's right, if your spirit's open. 